Welcome to another edition of Vice City Hoops. Drew Davis here with your Miami Heat NBA coverage. Got with me today my guys, my dogs, Marcus Chisholm and Micah Meffin. Micah, it's been a minute, sir. How the heck are you? Glad to see your beautiful beard again. Mm, it's getting strong. No shave November coming no in. No shave coming November. Marcus, you too, buddy. It's coming in good. I'm trying, man. I'm, I'm, I really am. Got some, some role models in front of me that I'm still trying to catch up with. You guys got me beat. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to try next year, I guess. I cannot wait for uh, everyone's post-November faces. I can't. There's some guys out there that have some stashes that do not belong on faces. Like, they need to shave them immediately. But... Uh, I'm excited about today's podcast because we're going to discuss two of our undrafted rookies that signed um, uh, their Exhibit 10 contracts. So we got Brian Tyree and Paula Boa and, of course, Max Struss. Max kind of bounced around from Boston to Chicago. But let's get to our two undrafted rookies because those are the two guys I'm really excited to talk about. And that's what the point of this pod is today. So, let's start right off the bat with Brian Tyree, who I'm high on him personally. I can't wait to talk about him, but Micah, tell me your thoughts. What is your first impression of Brian Tyree? Like, do you like what he brings to the table? Yeah, I think I think he brings definitely an offensive game. He's got a very much a potent scorer with the ball in his hands. So you can tell that he's not afraid to put the ball up. He's got a good shooting stroke. He's a score first kind of guy. So I, I think what he definitely adds is the is the late in the clock ability that I think maybe we've been missing a little bit uh, because he has the tools to get to the basket and he also has the tools to pull up, try and put somebody on skates and 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 make something happen, which I'm not sure we had quite that ability this past year outside of maybe uh, Nunn and Dragic, but he definitely could bring something that would be unique to our team at this time. Yeah, I would say Nunn is a fair comparison, but I do feel like he has far more playmaking ability than his scouting report gave him because, again, he was playing for Ole Miss. So let's just break down really fast. So Brian Tyree is an old Ole Miss guy. He played four years, okay, and consistently got better every year, which is something you like to see, right? Like especially for seniors who aren't normally drafted uh, high, certainly high, but sometimes aren't even drafted. He got better every year. He's definitely a potent scorer, things like that. And we'll get into his stats here in just a second. But I think one of the most shocking things right out of the gate for me is that the dude scored 22 points a game in the SEC conference, which is crazy considering the other players that were drafted, actually drafted because he wasn't even drafted, but the guys that were drafted ahead of him in the SEC, only a couple of them even outscored him. Like he is a monster bucket getter. In the shortened offseason, my take is this. The Heat liked him because he's been playing four years in that system, and he can play a game that immediately translates to the NBA. That's why I think they got him. I I love that he doesn't really need a whole lot of, um, like, there's not much he has left to offer in terms of growth. He is what he is, probably. And so, as a potent scorer, Marcus, as a potent scorer, as a guy that has a very solid uh, career win share, number at 9.7 dude has um got a pretty high per at 21 when the average was um was like 15 or something like that he's a pretty efficient pretty good shooter what are your thoughts on brian tyree marcus first off i'm surprised neither of you mentioned the fact that he's related to david tyree 
same man is. that that made probably the most impressive catch oh. in Super Bowl history a little over a decade ago with the Giants. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit of hope that he has some uh, some of those clutch genes in his blood. He definitely, I mean, as we've been saying, right, he offers a lot on the offensive end. Clearly somebody who's comfortable pulling up from three in transition, has a pretty decent catch and shoot game, pretty above, you know, solid pick and roll ball handler that can twist, which really means you could sell one direction and then, you know, completely 180 and go the other. So he's really shifty in that sense. The step back, this may be a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but it does give me some low-key Damian Lillard vibes. Um, Whoa, maybe. I'm not saying that this is his entire game. I think he definitely is more of a K-Nun clone in a sense. The good news is as well is that at Mississippi, they were running a motion offense quite a lot. Yes, I mean, they were. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit more common in college when you're still really looking for elite scorers to kind of emerge on different teams. So you're just sharing the ball as much as you can. He's comfortable scoring with the system or without it, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, which is none's knock. Because, I mean, I don't know what he's done in his bag in these, you know, the few months since we got out of the finals. I mean, it's not like he's had a whole lot of time to upgrade his his bag. But that is none's problem is he's fairly one-dimensional. He's a pull-up jump shooter, and that's about it. And he can attack, yes, but he got blocked a lot at the rim last year. So for, for you to say that, that excites me, to have someone that's slightly more dynamic than Kendrick Nunn. That's good to hear. See, but here's the thing. Kendrick, back in college, was doing numbers at Oakland and at Illinois. I mean, he was wow. showcasing a, a pretty similar game. The issue with, with Tyree, the concerns I have with him, they're definitely a little bit more prevalent on the defensive end, I think. Yep. You know, he didn't really, in the SEC, wasn't really slashing a lot against drop coverage, wasn't really playing against a ton of elite perimeter defenders, and, and unless he happened to be going up against Kentucky or a couple other teams. And again, we talked about him being a shoot first guard, or I think Micah brought that up. Yes. Do we need another shoot first guard when you have Kendrick Nunn, when you have Tyler Hero, when you have Duncan Robinson? Well, it depends we... on if we trade him. If Nunn's not on the team, then that gap is immediately wide open. Which is exactly why I think as an insurance policy for, for K Nunn, he he makes a little bit of sense. You know, obviously, you know, now we're halfway through this exhibit exhibit ten and we still gotta see how it pans out, but Still some some aspects of his game that I enjoyed watching. Still also needs to do a little bit better against you know defenses whenever they pressure him or double team him. Doesn't really know how to break out of those yet, but I really would see him as like a, a spark plug scorer that, that comes off the bench if he were to make the, the leap up from let's say Sioux Falls to Miami. Uh, that's sure. that's where I would see him right now. Well, he doesn't yeah, he, I, he doesn't get any love for assist either because, you know, in college you play against a lot of zone. Skip passes don't count. Obviously, hockey assists don't count, things right. like that. But he did move the ball. I don't think it's fair. Like, if you watch any of his tape, the dude moves the ball. He's just not on a great team. Micah, there's so, there's another part of his game that I really, really like. He was he was the chair of the SEC Basketball Leadership Council for two years. So this is a guy that has a, is a clearly a leader. And someone that's willing to put in work. He tweeted almost instantly whenever he showed up in Miami that he was put up in a hotel and immediately got on a treadmill. Like he's not waiting till he gets to the gym. He's not waiting until people tell him what to do. So there's no babysitting, which we would expect from a senior, right? Like a dude that just graduated after four years at Ole Miss in the in, in the SEC conference. But so he's got he's got some intangibles. But let me just draw up this one thing, and then I want to hear how you both feel about what I'm about to say. Here's here's my biggest complaint about him. Besides his average defense, he absolutely in his junior and senior year 
pretty much disappeared when it mattered most. He His scoring was a fraction. like It was like a solid eight points less the last few games of the season in the SEC conference. That That is concerning. That's a re- real legitimate problem because, again, there's not much left he can do to evolve except for being more clutch, more efficient. There's not much else he can add to his bag that he doesn't already have in spades. But what is your initial thought on why? Obviously, the competition ramps up. Like, there's no doubt. But that just seems it seems like an outlier. Like, that's something that we should definitely sit up and take notice of as a potential real problem that that maybe he's maybe he doesn't have that clutch gene like we could like we want to have. I think that was part of Kendrick Nunn's uh, a people's analysis on him there for a minute was it just felt like he didn't always show up in the moments that mattered, which is why he didn't play fourth quarters very often, if ever, during the regular season or in the playoffs. It was rare to see none in that fourth quarter. So, is this a huge concern or is this something that you can change? That's tough to say because. Ole Miss isn't known as a basketball school. They've had True. one decent year in the past three years. I'm looking through their schedule now. One essentially one year where they're above 500. They're not an elite basketball school. He, I watched some of the, some of his tape. Like he's really the only guy who he was able to to score. And let's face it, the reality towards the towards the end of the season is there's there's some more to play for. And when teams start to buckle down defensively, they're getting better at their defense because, like you said, they play zone. There's something unique that's about zone is you have to play a lot of zone to get good at playing zone. And teams don't just come out of the gate firing. That's why Syracuse just about every year when Jim Beheim was there, they started off. Uh, decent and then towards the end of the year they're like how is this team so good and it's like well they've been playing now for 30 games in in their zone defense and are getting good at it uh i think his game is a little bit i I think it is kind of similar to kendrick nunn and that it's it's uh, limited yeah a little predictable a little bit limited but i think it's only limited because i don't i mean maybe you are sold on this but i'm not sold on him being a great passer even the times where you see him hit and pull up jump shots and stuff like that you're seeing a lot more easy looks that he could have made the easy pass and would have been an easy shot and said he's do you think that had something to do with the fact that he was like by far the best player on his team you know what i'm saying like it wasn't even close yeah no he's definitely the best player on on the team but but at the same time like you're you're in college basketball and your guy can hit a 15 foot jump shot or a layup there's very few teams that don't have guys that sure that can do that if not they would be fielding open tryouts and they would be able to get people that could do that Part of the reason that I think he probably struggled down the stretch, I think it's because of his passing. I mean, if you look at his last year, his turnover to assist is basically one. He gets one assist for every turnover, at least in his last year. And that's, I did see that's that on the really just report. that's, that's not brutal. good enough. The health well, defense is just going to come and they're just going to swarm you if you can't pass the ball. You, yes. know, you know what I'm saying? So, and against zone coverage, is like assist to turnover ratios are typically high. Like that, in fairness, I do want to throw that out there. And and if if he was playing. Uh, zone coverage a lot. There's no doubt they were targeting the crap out of him. Like the whole the whole point of that is to bend towards the best player, and that's exactly what they did. Like they were never going to let him mm-hmm. get his shots off when it mattered most. So yeah, but I mean, but at the same time, like elite players do it. Got to find a way, do, and that's gotta right. Fi- got to find, find a way. You know, so I, I fair think enough. If if there's anything that's holding him back, that maybe we're saying maybe he doesn't have the clutch gene, or maybe just down the stretch he struggled. I think it's because the scouting report comes out. You see what he is, what he does. He's good at what he does. But he's not good enough at what he does to take a double team, a triple team, and Fair and make point. a great play out of it. You know, he might hit the the guy who's a safe pass, but 
it's not going to be a safe pass for a score. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't, I'm not sure he has that kind of vision to say, I got a triple team on me. Let me get it to the guy who's open, who's about to score a basket. No, his, his idea is like, Oh, where's my safety valve, you know, and, and throws it back out. So maybe he's missing a little bit of that high IQ that you want to see out of the playmaking guards in the league. Marcus, what is missing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Marcus, what's your thoughts on his deficiencies potentially? I, I agree that his core vision is, you know, really a step behind. He's great at dialing in on mismatches and beating guys off the dribble and getting to the rim, right? He wants to focus and exploit one player at a time and just use his athleticism as much as he can just to create his own baskets, which is obviously a talent that gets you paid a lot of money in the NBA. However, I also believe that he is not as great of a creator as he could be advertised. Again, his, his passing is a step behind He's not somebody who maybe like Trey Young is like scoring on as high of a volume as they are maybe dishing out assists. Like Trey, for instance, is like great running the pick and roll. Tyree can run the pick and roll, but whenever he's getting inside the paint, he doesn't really slash and kick as much as you would hope. And that makes it a little bit more predictable just for defenses to really anticipate, decide whether or not they should stay on him down low in the paint or whether or not they should already be rotating to go kick out. So that would be a concern for me there as well. But at the same time, again, the K none comparisons keep going on, right? Because these are all it's things similar. that yeah. Kendrick has issues with. We're going to keep beating that dead horse. I know that. But I, I definitely believe that if Kendrick basically, you know, lit the Miami offense on fire last year with, you know, just from the beginning of the season on, at least for the first 20, 30 games and did it with a pretty bad assist to turnover ratio as well, even after coming from the G League, you know, without a lot of attention, then who's to say that Tyree so far can't replicate that same formula and find a moderate amount of success at the very least. So well, I was just getting ready to say that. I mean, we're not going to be asking him to lead the team. So that's a very big difference from his four years as this standout dude, because he was a standout dude. He was one of the best scores in the SEC. So the reason he didn't get drafted, though, is because like you guys said, at, after that first layer of talent, he doesn't offer a lot in, in terms of push. Like, he can't push past uh, what his limitations are very well. And there's some guys like, that was what made Bam so attractive. You could tell with a little bit of coaching, and we'll get into guys like uh, Aboa here in a little bit. There's some guys that you could tell that if they get some coaching behind them, they're going to be, they have a level to get to. My immediate thought was it with him, and this is ironically almost what universally everyone says about Kendrick Nunn. There's really not much else Kendrick can add to his offensive bag that he, if he doesn't have it yet, it's going to be difficult to develop. The only thing we can hope for Kendrick is that his defense improves, that he gets his defensive IQ in check. And if he does that, he's going to be a legitimately good sixth, seventh man for some team, maybe a starter. He has a role. He has a future in this league if it's not with the Heat. But like you said, I don't expect him to be on our team for any other reason than maybe we have a Draja goes down with an injury and he gets a call up kind of kind of shot. Like that that's actually the most likely scenario, especially if Kendrick doesn't get traded that he's insurance at the point guard position because guess what guys, Avery Bradley ain't it. Like me and Marcus talked about last pod, that dude is not a point guard. So we are technically by all technical stretch of the imagination, we got Jimmy Buckets, we got Tyler Hero, and we got Bam Adebayo, but those are not point guards. They all bring the ball to the floor, but they're not point guards. So we only really have slotted none. Drogic. Drogic's freaking 34 going on 35. None could get traded. It was a smart insurance get. Let's go ahead and switch the switch gears to Paul. Paul Iboa, as we're now officially calling him. By the way, 
I love that last name because Drew's a Rocky Balboa guy. I'm not even going to lie. I'm an 80s baby, so I do like my Rocky Balboa. <laughs> that has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with this guy. Actually, it has something to do with it. You know what it is? That dude put on like 87,000 pounds of muscle in the last year. If you even look at his 2019 pictures compared to some of the stuff recently, like what is this guy eating? He's huge. He's a monster. He is huge. But man, he has a kind of special raw, definitely raw talent. You don't even have to you don't even have to read the scouting report. You watch a couple of videos and you're like, dude, he's got all of the mechanics, but it is super unpolished. Like he has a good-looking shot, but it is his release is all over the place. He'll have games where he hits like two or three threes and games where he hits nothing but bricks. So he's got but he's got the mechanics. So my first thought, gents, is that Paul, they saw in Paul sort of the same characteristics, if you will, of the precious Bam mold in terms of the high energy, super athletic, athletic guy, stinking crazy wide wingspan, and he's young, 20, going to 21, somewhere in that, in that realm. So besides those things, the dude is super raw. Outside of that, though, he looks like he has coachable traits. And that is something our team does extremely well. Well, I mean, now that Dan Craig is gone, we'll, we'll, we will see because he was a big part of that. But we, we our player development is, of course, of almost legendary status at this point. We've developed some great, great dudes, a.k.a. Duncan Robinson, a.k.a. Nunn. The list goes on on James Ennis, Josh Richardson, you name it. So we've, we've, got some, we've got some dogs that we've put through that player development, and he fits that mold of like, man, if he's banging in practice with Bam and Precious and Myers and KZ... I feel like he could maybe develop. So to me, Paul has some interest as a as a guy that finds buckets. So he has some of that Chris Silva in him because I feel like Chris Silva finds that too. He's a guy that just finds random putbacks and has a really strong offensive uh, rebound game. But overall, guys, Marcus, we'll start with you. Tell me your just your initial blush of like what could he bring? Like it was it's sort of an odd signing. So tell me what your thoughts on maybe why the Heat went out and got this guy. Besides the obvious, I mean the obvious is he's he has a Bam sort of mystique to him but he is a little smaller what is he six seven i don't even have it in front of me i think he's six seven six eight i think is what i have listed yeah six eight you're right so, seven three weeks span six eight so he's, he's a couple inches shorter than than bam so he's not exactly in the same mold he definitely ain't gonna play center i mean he played center a couple times for the uh, italian league or wherever the heck he was he's draymond green-esque but marcus tell me tell me your initial blush of like why why did we do this like why did we go get this guy you do it for defense you definitely don't do it for his shot, because I'm I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say it and just be blunt. His shot needs work. It's very inconsistent. <laughs> it you don't it know. Is. He's only been it, playing five years. In fairness to him, he's only played five years since 2015. Fair, fair, absolutely. <laughs> I I completely understand that. His shot is very inconsistent. His form is yes, you don't know what he's gonna do with his form, one possession to the next, and so forth. And literally, when you're watching his film. It's also, that also reflects in the trajectory of the ball. It's gonna, yeah. sometimes it's gonna end up on the backboard. Sometimes it's gonna actually end up on the rim when he's like forcing shots out. His his feel for the game is a little bit behind. He's mm. somebody who is, is just forcing up a lot of awkward mid-range shots. He's getting a little bit more confidence with his three, but if you're forcing up annoying twos that are contested and if you're just you know deciding to end possessions early, all of that can, can go to waste, right? I, I feel that he has a lot of work to do on that end. But getting back to the point about defense, he's somebody who is pretty solid at handling flat ball screens. Um, he's somebody who can ice, or, you know, ice ball handlers. He's also somebody who can engage in the drop as needed. He's actually 
pretty switchable, so he could do he, you he know, is. delve into the best of both worlds there, which is really nice. And he can handle semi-athletic to athletic guards. So, I mean, he could take on a wide variety of defensive assignments. His his lateral quickness still needs a little bit of work, I think. Yep, I agree. He's not, you know, at the point where he's he's ready to clamp up and lock down, you know, the best of the best by any stretch of the imagination. But which is what makes Bam so special. Like he doesn't have that quality that Bam is so uniquely developed for big guy. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I, I think that this is why you get a boa. It's it's just you you find somebody who can do also a little bit of what precious could bring to the table or what bam could but but bam and precious also had better handles i think paul like he he's definitely is a little bit more reliant on on being an off-ball threat at best so that means he's gonna have to be engaging you know as a role man on putbacks he has a lot of work to do on that on that end again there's a lot of opportunity with him if uh maybe yeah. he made more progress from his last season in italy up until now that maybe just hasn't gone noticed and he did he did make progress so something a positive here is that from statistically speaking he did improve as the season went on which is something you want to see in a young raw guy like he got better and he started making more complicated more basketball type of offensive plays it was in flashes that you could see uh he had a couple of threes that were super highly contested that looked clean when it when it left his hand and there were a couple of threes that that looked unbelievably terrible. It was like, um, gosh, he was the short point guard. Andre Miller played forever. He had some of the similar flat, flat-handed form whenever he would release. That was just so bizarre. But anyways, Micah, tell me a little bit about Paul. Like, what else did you see? What else? What are, what else are we missing here? Because the athleticism is a big deal. That translates to the NBA. So I mean, you have that, but it's not everything. Well, I mean, we're kind of full up after Precious, KZ, Chris Silva. Like, are we about to move some guys? Uh, like. Or is this just uh, filling out a roster spot and putting a guy in the practice squad that can body body our starters and give us a good run for our money? Because he's scrappy. He's super scrappy. I think you kind of hit it on the head. But he's also a guy, I mean, we haven't seen him a ton. We don't know a ton yeah, about this guy, right? a whole lot out there. I, yeah. I mean, we, we I think we can kind of spitball all we want, but the, there's not a lot of film. There's not a lot of uh, good competition that he's played against either that we can kind of see enough. see him shine on because I mean to me I, I think he's a little bit of a long shot international prospect there's some mystique around international prospects everybody's looking for that diamond in the rough if that makes sense well I'll tell you one thing that was really impressive about him his ball handling was pretty special I mean it reminded me of Bam whenever he would get out in transition that dude could put it on the floor and if we're gonna say if we're gonna say that that was something that really attracted the heat to Precious because he could do the same thing. I feel like that that is that is not considered right this minute yet an elite skill for a big guy, but it sh it's going to quickly become that because Giannis and Bam are the new mold, guys. We know that. We talked about that like ad nauseum on this podcast. Everyone has. And one of the things that is consistent across the board whenever you go, what makes Bam and Giannis so good is their ability to put the ball on the floor. And that dude can't. So I wonder if in the back of their mind, they're looking at him like if he could even develop as a respected um, sort of athletic version of Tristan Thompson. You know, someone that can just get some offensive rebounds, find buckets here and there, and not cost your team. I'm very high on guys that don't cost your team. Solomon Hill had that same vibe last year, guys. 
Like nothing statistically about what Solomon Hill did last year is going to blow anybody's mind. But the dude's with the Atlanta Hawks and has been a pro in this league for almost a decade. The reason that is is because he doesn't cost your team anything. When he's in the game, he's pretty reliable and gets out of the way and lets the stars do what they do, and he just does his job. So maybe that's his role is to come in, do his job, get out in transition, put the ball on the floor as he needs to, draw a foul or two because he actually was pretty good at that. I could tell he had a knack for drawing fouls. So I'm like, man, maybe he's got some of that uh, old school, like maybe he is a decent hybrid potential for our team. Certainly his his biggest value is going to be, really it's going to be in practice against Bam and Precious because they need someone to go up against that they could punish, honestly. And dude, he will take it because it's only going to make his game better if for whatever reason he doesn't stick around to the, on the heat. Um, he will be very lucky to be practicing against these two guys. So especially someone as elite now. Yes, elite as Bam Adebayo. So uh, any last thoughts on Paul? Marcus, do you have any any other last, you know, random factotums or things? You you look like you have something you want to say about our boy Rocky Balboa. <laughs> he's somebody who right now, if, if you're putting him in the game, he's somebody who can turn defense into offense and just get you points. Yes. Tickets, right? Yep. Um, it's, it's a simple fact that he can offer some rim running and he can do some of the dirty work, some of the screen assists. Most likely, if he were to really follow through after an Exhibit 10 like this, then we would probably see him in the G League. And then I think it would probably take a little bit more time for him to develop. But he's somebody who right now, especially for somebody who hasn't played the game for a long time, is progressing at a, a pretty solid rate. I mean, when he you is. think about other players in this league that, that started the game late, I, I think of Pascal, I think of Siakam from yes. the Raptors. Well, that's exactly who he's compared to as Pascal as far as his rawness and capability. That's a fair assessment. Right. And I mean, it, it took a lot of time for Siakam to actually you know, get to that point. I mean, obviously he wasn't playing the game his entire life, but after a while just was clearly showing that his the track that he needed to be on for his own progression sure was just different from everybody else's who had been playing this game their entire life so that's a real important reason why i, I wouldn't entirely throw this idea of him ever being a part of this team i, I think it's just way too soon to tell obviously but you know if, if he really were to continue making strides i would I'd be really excited so he has the legitimate diamond in the rough potential. I think that I think we all can kind of agree on that. And if and if we can strike again, guys, athletic bigs that can that can play in this game and switch and create. If he could even have some kind of semblance of that, he is a valuable, valuable player on this team. Absolutely. Did, okay, good. I was like, did I lose you guys there? Okay, so and then finally we got Max. Max Struss, who was a bucket in his uh DePaul, is that what he played? In his DePaul days, yeah. he was a freaking bucket in his DePaul days. And he had definitely sort of the J.J. Redick type of flair to him, like a big, bigger version of that. There's just not anything offensively he seems like he's not okay at or elite. And the thing about him that, that gives me interest, like immediate interest, is when it comes to shooting, when it comes to shooting in this league, if you can do that at, at, at an elite level, typically you find a way to stick around. Like, it's not... If you have that elite skill set and it, and he does, like he is a great screen shooter. Um, he moves very well without the ball. And again, we 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 have had that mold, the Jamal Crawfords and JJ Reddicks of the world that find ways to get you buckets. 
that is absolutely what they've made their entire careers on. And if he and he is a decent defender, that he crashes the boards like a madman, like he's got some stuff. I don't take his signing lightly, even though he's the last in the group. And I know I think we have one more spot left open, by the way. I think we're up to 19 now. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure we're up to 19. I most recently saw 19. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I don't think his I don't think it's uh there's a timing thing to this. I do the only thing I find that's odd is that he didn't stick with Boston and or Chicago. Um not the the Boston one doesn't necessarily surprise me because they had guys like Wanamaker and whatnot in, in line ahead of their already stud stud backcourt. And then of course Chicago that's the one that surprised me. Like, why didn't he stick there? I don't know, because I actually felt like he could have been useful there. So what? how did we get Max? Like, what? why hasn't he stuck on a team? I know it's only been a year, year and a half, but Micah, what is your, like, immediate first take on why Max Struss, how he ended up on our team, and what has kept him from sticking with basically, in my mind, a, a contender like... The Celtics are a contender. At least they were. I don't know. I don't know where they are now. I mean, they may maybe no one has them slotted in that status anymore. But he had a chance to be on a team that had a, a need for a skill in Chicago. Why? Why didn't he stick? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I'm pretty sure that he uh, that he had torn torn his ACL yeah. while he was with the Bulls. You can fact check me while I'm blubbering on a little bit. But I mean, he. I think he's definitely got. He uh, did tear his you know, ACL. A good looking shot and stuff, but. I did not know that, so that's kind of huge. He did tell he did tear his so, ACL, I mean, it's, and he was playing very well in the G League apparently before it had it. I remember looking at his G League stats; they were pretty solid. Yeah, so I, I think for a young guy, when you get injured like that, you don't have the name and the clout to hold a roster spot. Un unfortunately, it's it's just the devil of the game. It's the same it's the same way with mm. baseball. You can be a great player all the way up into high A, double A, all this kind of stuff, but the minute you get injured, the next guy steps up. Yeah, and see, especially see Myers Leonard. Uh, that's exactly what happened to Myers star last year. Yep. So you know, it, it's it's tough to say, especially with basketball. You know, holding so so little roster spots. True. He's not going to hold a roster spot as a as a young guy working his way back from an injury, especially on a on a short two-way contract, you know. So I think it's definitely one of those things where I think we kind of lucked out, honestly. I think this is more of a, uh, a very much a circumstantial sign. I think he would probably still be with the Bulls, at least from what I've seen on, yeah. on the tape and stuff. That's I think exactly got, how I feel. He's got the tools to compete. Yes. So out of the three signings that we've talked about, he might be the guy that excites me the most because – I think his game looks more NBA ready than I think everybody else does. Absolutely, and he he brings something to the team that I think we're we are now missing with Jay Crowder being gone. You know, so I I think that this is a guy who can not only contend for a roster spot, but I think he's a guy who might be a rotational player. I think that that's a fair with comparison for, with for a big guy. And you know, like I. You know, you compared him. I saw you compared him to JJ Redick, Jamal Crawford, and all that kind of stuff. And I think he's got the shooting ability similar to those guys. But I think a more uh, a better comparison, maybe like a guy like Marco Bellinelli. He's there. He's very, you go. Now very, we're talking. Yeah, right. He's very similar in the way that he moves around the court. Uh, I think he's got a similar mindset. What it seems like when he's out on the floor, he doesn't seem like, uh, you know, like you could argue guys like Jamal Crawford and JJ Redick. Like the second they touch the ball, like the ball's going up. True. You know, I I feel like Max Struss has like that Bellinelli, just a little bit more patience with the ball. He's not going to take that contested shot maybe as as much as you'd see Jamal Crawford go after something. True. And you know, he can so. and he can attack yeah. with the best of them. He's a good attacker. And he, he can kick, attack. He can yeah. and he can kick it. I think sure. I think he he can get the ball he can get the ball on the floor. But I think too though. He doesn't have quite that much speed, so we may be a little deceived, I think, with his ability to put the ball on the floor, because I think he hasn't, we haven't seen him play against the elite defenders yet. Well, and now but he's got a jacked up ACL and bone bruise. Something. 
<laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you know, like guys recover from that. It's not quite the Achilles injury, you know, that you see KD go through or anything like that. I think ACL, like you can come back from that and still you have, can still have some pop. I mean, I.E. Frank Gore. I mean, the guys had like a million knee surgeries. That that, and, that know, guy does not like count. He's a mutant. He is he is straight out of a comic book. <laughs> Something's wrong with his body. They need to get him in a lab the second he gets done with football and figure out what he's doing or how he was made. God did Frank something special tank, with that bro. guy. Um, Frank the Tank Man. He a good comparison is Marco Bellinelli. That's shame. Your comparison's far better than what I had. I'm curious to hear what Marcus's is, but I will tell you, I am a little bit worried about his his athleticism has got to not has suffer. Like not everybody has the D Rose will to win and come back and play at the same level that he that Derrick Rose has. So I don't know. What's your what's your thoughts on Max? I did no idea until this podcast that he had suffered an ACL. How the heck did I miss that? Marcus, tell me what your thoughts are on his value to the team because it seems like Micah's pretty high on him. Totally understand. Yeah. He's he's somebody who, I mean, as we said, is is great moving off the ball. Doesn't mm-hmm. really need the most complex screens in order to get set up with opportunities. Um, you know, comfortable popping out, great at knocking down long shots. He, he is at a point in his career where, you know, he is ahead of, you know, the other guys that we've talked about. So if, if he does have a little bit more of a, a game that is ready for what the NBA entails, then it shouldn't come as a total surprise. He also came in the league a little bit older, if I remember correctly. Yes, he did. He's like so, 24. Yeah. And I mean, you combine that with the fact he has a very quick release, waste no time with his shot. I mean, it's not hard imagining what he would look like fitting into the system. It, it, I feel like it would be pretty seamless. I mean, most 3D guys that come to Miami in, in the modern era, like yeah, they, they find they a resurgence, find a way, especially right, especially when you're running a lot of DHO and and when you're just you know sharing the ball and then again looking for guys moving you know offhand. He definitely has a little bit more to prove on the defensive end, but I mean his like his shot alone is is there. It's just a matter of whether or not he can actually continue not to be a liability on the other end. Because I think that like he was actually shooting a lot of those contested too. I think it's he, one thing if a lot of those are just wide open and you're just happening to knock them down, like great, that's fine. But if guys are actually chasing you on different types of rotations and they're coming really close and they're closing out on you and you're still knocking out sh- shots, I think that's that's something worth addressing. So Well, I could we'll totally see. see I could absolutely see him signing on this team because I think Micah's comparison to Jay Crowder was also a very good comparison. They're they're testing him out, like they're trying him out to see if his lateral quickness disappeared now that his ACL has gone through hell and back. So that's my guess is they just want to see, hey, did the athleticism has it stuck around or are you getting a dad bod? You know, they want to see. If by some miracle he still has those defensive chops. Because he has shown flashes of being able to contain one through three, one through four, and like no doubt, like he can do it. He's got a he's got a crazy long wingspan too. He's got like a six nine. It's it's high up there for for a wing. But um, I think he has a chance to stick on this team for sure. He we just lost like the one guy that he mi- mirrors, and we kind of liked having that guy around. So uh, there's a chance he sticks around for sure. We'll have to see. So I I'm pretty high on Max. Um, I definitely would high. Like you watch his mixtape. He is by far more NBA ready than the other two. And obviously he's already been in the league one, one year. But what I mean by that is that his game his he reminds me of Duncan Robinson in this way. Duncan Robinson's game. You could just tell was going to translate. He's an elite shooter. That was that was all that that the scouting department famously needed to be sold on. Like the dude has a great looking shot. And so does Max. So Max can shoot it, shoot well. He doesn't need much. He doesn't need space. He can attack and kick. And if he finds himself at all, at all, 
getting minutes. We're late in the clock. Jimmy Butler's going up and getting two people at the cup, and he gets a kick out. That dude's going to knock it down. Jay Crowder was found money. Uh, he didn't exactly have uh, the most gleaning, beautiful three-point stroke and percentage leading into his seat, his uh, time with the Heat. That is not the case with Max. This dude is a potent offensive score. So hopefully we found another guy, like like Micah said, a, a circumstantial signing. We just, you know, I, I, I'm guessing we waited to see what was going to happen with Jay. And then once Jay walked, it was, let's get Avery Bradley in here and freaking sign Max, and maybe we get found money. I agree. I, I think that the filling that 3 and D void is, is going to take a lot of work. You know, it's also worth noting Crowder converted a lot of those threes open. And then if, if Max were theoretically... Cl- you know, knocking down as many again contested as you were uncontested, then there's an opportunity to believe he maybe could be a better shooter. But obviously, we're just spitballing here. Who knows? Right, Micah. Tell me final thoughts on our three guys. What do you think is the likely chance they stick around? I think that Brian's pretty likely that he sticks around at least for right now. I think he's at the bottom end of your rotation G League guy because his game is going to translate well to the NBA offensively. He's got a very Harden-esque type of game where he can he's he's going to draw you out with the pull-up and he's good in transition like we talked about earlier, but he has to develop his uh, his ability to 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 see the floor. He has to uh, develop his ability to pass the ball. Dude, you so know who I, he reminds think, me of? He reminds me of Shabazz Napier. That's what just entered into my subconscious. I, he's a better shooter than Shabazz, though. But that's my point, is that the, the reason Shabazz, everyone was so high on him, including LeBron James, but his game ultimately took a while to translate and fit. I don't even know if he if he's still playing. I know he played last year. His game, he, he excelled at it at the college level. When he got to the NBA, it, was, it turned out to be slightly one-dimensional. So may, hopefully Brian has has less um, predictable, like we had talked about. Like I hope I hope he's not as predictable as he kind of lets off. Yeah, I, I think when you look at both players, I think Shabazz had a lot of hype behind him. The difference, but and and I think that's what got got him drafted so high. I mean, you remember LeBron asked for him. I mean, he was legit. Like, give me Shabazz, and then and got skated. Shabazz and Shabazz didn't skated. And then, got on and that then, plane, yeah, and went out to Vegas. Skated. Dirty. I think I'm still a little tender. I'm still a little tender about that one. He's like, "Hey, draft this guy for me," and then we drafted him. And he's like, "Peace, guys, see ya." But uh, but I th- I think that Brian brings brings a more okay. potent offensive game than Napier brings. It, he's a better jump shooter. Jump shooters have a place in the NBA. Um, I think that uh, our, our other guy Eboa. I I'm not sure he's there yet. I think I think he's a cut guy, but they're gonna give him a chance. I think we're pretty deep at that position that that he's we are that he's going for. So and I don't see him being better than Chris Silva. I think Chris Silva is more polished in pretty much every part of his game. I think I think he has a shot to make a roster somewhere. I'm not sure if it's on our team. I, well, like listen, I, said, I think we're too deep in that position. He was actually projected to get drafted. So Tyree, the difference between him and Tyree is Tyree was not projected. There was literally zero calls, no interest. He had definitely suitors after the fact, but there were definitely people that thought Aboa might. So. That I think that means something. There's there's something people see in him. Obviously, he's big, athletic, and that that is a premium. We talk about this all the time. It's it is going to be the new currency in the NBA at some point to have guys like Draymond Green that are a little bit more athletic. Because if Draymond Green can make the career he's had as a not great shooting small big player, quote unquote small big, then guys like Aboa can find a way. 
if he can figure out a way to mirror his game after that, find a way to get up. Like, we're on a team that literally we were called the Warriors of the East. So he has a potential to, to maybe find a spot. I totally agree. Marcus, who are you, who you picking? Who's landing? Who's sticking around potentially? Well, what are we defining as, as sticking around? Like in Miami or on a roster spot? Falls? No, on, yeah, in anywhere? Miami. Just on Miami alone. Okay. I think that for right now, Strauss would actually, or I believe it's Struess. Struess would Struess. perhaps fill the the void that this team has right now the most. Uh, Tyree and, and Nunn overlap quite a bit. And I feel that because he has less experience, it would make sense for him to go to the G League and, and find a place to you know, perfect his craft. Maybe that means he goes to Sioux Falls. Maybe that means he ends up you know, in another market. We'll see. Um, and then I think with Abua, I believe that even though he offers a lot of the things that you look for in a modern day defender in the NBA, I still believe that either he continues to play overseas or ends up joining the G League elsewhere, or he ends up going to another professional league that's maybe a step up. He has probably the most potential out of anybody out of like these three, which may seem like a little bit of a hot take, but again, I, I do believe that uh, he has a lot of time ahead of him. And even if that means he fills the spot as a solid role player, it, it's something that I think would still be considered a win at the end of the day. Well, he's 20. So I, I, I agree with, I don't think it's a hot take. He's 20. So I, uh, my, my vote is Max. That's who I feel like has the most immediate fit to the team. And we have a legitimate hole where he fits. We cover up the hole right now with switchableness. So don't hear me wrong in that. I'm talking about just good old fashioned 15 man roster stuff. He brings something that not really anyone specifically does all in one player. So he has sort of some Avery Bradley mixed a little bit with some Mo Harkless and maybe a, a, a dash of uh, Duncan Robinson. Like he has, a, he has a smidgen of all of those guys sort of wrapped up in one player. And, and that was what made Jay valuable. So I, my feeling is if he can show the staff that his health is in uh, good condition, that he's able to cut like he was very good at doing. My gosh, that dude was all over the place for a big, for a bigger guard. Well, small forward. I, I guess technically he's a small forward, right? Well, yeah, technically by, by size. I mean, he's 6'6". But I mean, 6'6 in today's NBA is that's a guard. Oh my goodness. So maybe he'll find some a slot on the team. But outside of that, guys, in terms of young players on our team. KZ Akpala is our young player. Precious Achawa is our young player. Hero is one season removed from being a rookie and none. And Duncan Robinson and Bam. I mean, even Bam. Like, we have a lot of under 25-year-old dudes. So, I'm not entirely... Like, we, we should not be shocked if none of them come back, honestly. Again, because throughout the season, we're going to be looking for dudes that get bought out and things like that. So... I, overall, I'm pretty happy with the prospects, though, and uh, we'll see. I think the diamond in the rough potential is definitely there for a Boa slash Struss for sure. I think we already kind of know what we have in uh, Tyree, and we'll just see if it translates. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the pod today to break down these dogs. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you've made it this far, if you love us this much that you're 90% into the show, please leave us a review, a five-star review, preferably. You don't got to write nothing up. Just put it out there. We would really, really appreciate it, especially on iTunes. Thank you again, gentlemen. Really appreciate you coming on. Go Heat. Go Heat! Woo! <laughs> we love you, Heat Nation. God bless. <laughs>